Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Kedron Crosby. Our intention for The Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. Today, we're turning our focus on creating a culture of belonging. And I'm so grateful to have Sarah Colantonio. I'm so glad to be here. Founding partner of Work (laughs) Wisdom with me to discuss this topic. So um, Sarah, obviously you know this, every year Work Wisdom adopts a new big question. So a big question, it's something that helps us really focus for the year. And it's a question that if we answer it, we're gonna get that much closer to winning. Our winning aspiration, of course, is we revolutionize achievement. So our big question for the year 2022, we decided is, how do we sustainably revolutionize achievement by fostering meaningful belonging? And so we have a whole set of answers, all the ways that we're going to foster meaningful belonging internally, amongst our team, but also externally for our clients, mm-hmm. um, for the world. Honestly, this podcast is one of the answers yeah. <laughs> to that big yeah. question. Um, Randy will be so happy. We get to <laughs> check. check on the Gantt chart. Um, so, so today, I really thought that we could spend a little bit of time talking together about first what organizational culture really is. While it's a huge part of our practice, I don't think we have many podcasts on it. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about what is culture, but we're also going to talk about what is belonging. And then we're going to think through how we use values to create a, a culture of belonging. Uh, we're going to look at the competing values framework and think about what we know about that and how that helps us to create a culture of belonging. Um, we're also going to spend a little bit of time talking about the work of Aaron Meyer and the culture map. Yes. Yes. We let, <laughs> anytime we talk about that, um, we're happy. So um, so let's just go ahead and talk about culture mm-hmm. for a minute. When, when I say the word culture or organizational culture, what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Don't say ping pong tables. <laughs> I Well, the first thing that pops into my mind now is this picture of a giant iceberg. And ah, yeah, yeah. And so and when I think of culture, I think of the part of the, the iceberg that's below the water line. And so that was the picture that came into my head immediately when you said that. And it's like, the stories that we tell, it's how we get things done. And sometimes it's not that explicit. It's just, it's the way that we operate. Um, but we're not always, it's not like in the conversation every day. It's just how things are. This yeah. is how we do. Yeah, this is how we do. Yeah. Ed Shine always used that iceberg metaphor to talk about culture. Yeah. And that which is below the waterline is implicit Mm -hmm. or invisible culture. And then there is some culture that's above the waterline that's visible. So those might be our stated values, the ones that, you know, you paint on the lobby wall Um, or, um, 
our organizational structure that's above the waterline and visible, maybe even our mission statement. Mm-hmm. So I, I love, um, you know, at Work Wisdom, we tend to focus on that which is below the waterline, that which is implicit or invisible. Sometimes when people talk about culture, they talk about it as the glue that holds an organization together. Sometimes people talk about uh, it as the compass that guides the organization, um, even in invisible ways. One of my favorite definitions is from Ed Schein, father of organizational behavior, who was at MIT, Sloan Business School, Mm. School of Management. Um, So he defined it as organizational culture is a pattern of shared basic assumptions, pattern of shared basic assumptions Uh that the group has learned as it solved its problems of external adaptation and internal integration that has worked well enough to be considered valid and therefore to be taught to new members as the correct way to perceive and think and feel in mm. relation to those problems. So it's invisible in that it's something happened that it allowed us to adapt so that we could stay afloat. And then that uh, becomes perceived as good. Mm. And we, we inculcate new members of the culture with that thinking and so then they start to behave in similar ways so it's reinforced um and and we can talk about you know a lot of things but before i get into that i just want to ask you you've been with work wisdom since our inception Mm -hmm. you're the founding partner here seven years um can you think of anything that was some way that we survived or adapted to the external environment that we have in invisible ways uh, sort of inculcated into the culture here. So without even knowing it, maybe through our storytelling, what comes to you when I, when I talk about that? It's, it's so much a part of how we operate. It's not even funny because I think it's how we started having to adopt right in the beginning. But one of my, I guess now it's one of my favorite stories at the time. It was very stressful, but um, you were working in, I think you were in Florida. Yeah. And I was here, I was back home and you were supposed to give a keynote, I think. Yeah. In Philadelphia the next day. Yeah. And your flight was delayed. And you called me at, I don't know, 9 or 10 p.m. at night. And you were like, Sarah, you're going to have to do the keynote. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get in on time. And so had a little freak out. I did anyway. I did too. (laughs) I think I get stuck in North Carolina. But yeah. And so we, we went over the notes. And, you know, so it wasn't something that was completely... It wasn't foreign to me. It was I. I knew mm. I knew about it, but it was I didn't expect that I was going to be keynoting. And so we prepped, and then uh, and then the next day it ended up we but we ended up co-presenting because you walked in I don't know fifteen minutes before we went on. Yeah, and it was it was great, but it was just the point being okay what we expect it to happen doesn't look like that's going to happen so what are we going to do 
and so, and so adapting in really difficult situations feels like it's part of who we are. Is that what you mean? Is that the yeah, kind of thing? Yeah, that's a great example. And and so a lot of times culture gets baked in by whatever made the founders successful in the okay. first place. I mean, yeah. it's so easy to fail. So what were the things that yeah. made it possible that we could we could stay in business. And so, yeah, that adaptation, that sort of like work show must go on. You're going to yeah. keynote. Um, <laughs> also, I always wear sneakers in airports and we, we've taught our team to wear sneakers because sure. you, you don't know when you're going to have to run for a flight. Yeah. Um, you know, also about that story, that's how Eric and I got to be friends. She was texting oh. me through all of that. Oh. Anyhow, so wow. um, so that's a great example. Um, and we could spend a lot of time talking about that story, but also how we have woven uh, sort of the show must go on yeah. into how we've brought on our other eight members of our team. Yeah. And they get it. Mm-hmm. And, and if they don't get it. They don't stick around. Right. <laughs> it's part, part of culture. So yeah. so culture is found um, in three three different ways. Mm-hmm. You've got artifacts. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're talking about artifacts, it's architecture, physical surroundings, products, technology, style, you know, how we decorate. Um, you've got values. So those are deeply held beliefs that guide our behaviors. And some of them are above the waterline. And, and, we, mm-hmm. and we even... There they are. There they are. You know, we even have them um, around the office. um, And then some are below the Mm waterline. And so some are um, ones that we didn't even acknowledge that we had. But in fact, they are guiding our behavior. So those are called espoused values. And then the third aspect of culture is assumptions. So they call them basic assumptions. So these are underlying, often unconscious determinants of an organization's attitudes, thought processes, and actions. So um, when you think about either artifacts or values or assumptions, when you're thinking about organizational culture, um, maybe even here at Work Wisdom or for any of our clients, does anything come to mind to you when you think about either the artifacts or, or our values or maybe our basic assumptions well, the f- my first gut response is, and I think this falls under artifacts, correct me if mm-hmm. I'm wrong, but it's the way that we have our office, mm-hmm. the furniture, um, the fact that our desks are not your average desk. They're, mm-hmm. they're not really desks, actually. Mm-hmm. We didn't go shopping in an office furniture store. Yeah. Uh, um, and the purpose of that, why why do we decorate our office the way that we do? Why do we have uh, tissues in every office? <laughs> why do we get flowers um, yeah. every week? You know, I, I don't know if this fits in, but, it does, but it's absolutely. such a big part of who we are mm-hmm. is like how it feels when you come into our space. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. So when you think about, and we haven't really defined belonging yet, but when you think about artifacts at work wisdom, uh, fostering a culture of belonging, does anything come to mind? What do you think we do in the built environment that fosters a sense of belonging? 
Well, again, I, I'm I'm worried I'm going off track a little bit here, but I I think that offering people tea before they sit down to talk, yeah, or we have this new thing that owl's nest, mm-hmm. which I didn't have anything to do with, but <laughs> I'm really proud of it, and people can take. A work wisdom t-shirt mm-hmm. um, or they can take an authentic communication book with them mm-hmm. and so that's that's probably huge right I mean that's an actual artifact and you can take it with you and almost yeah. as a reminder mm-hmm. I think all uh, of those foster a culture of belonging so it's I think internal maybe hopefully externally too yeah that people feel that they belong that they're part of the community yeah um when they come here i think even the fact that we have couches yeah. and coffee tables and uh that it feels peaceful uh, i would like to hope mm-hmm. that that fosters a culture of belonging okay great well i i think it's great that we're thinking this through so deeply mm. for the whole year of 2022 mm. and maybe they'll there will be more artifacts that we will be creating that will create a, a sense of belonging uh, as part of the work wisdom yeah. community yeah. as well. So let's talk about what be- belonging really is. Belonging is the feeling of security and support when there is a sense of acceptance. Security and support and a sense of mm. acceptance. Hmm. It's <laughs> when an individual can bring their authentic self to work. So huge. And, yeah. I, and it's just getting more and more important in the workplace. But when employees feel like they don't belong at work, their performance and their personal lives suffer, creating genuine feelings of belonging for all is a critical factor in improving engagement and performance. Yes, it also helps business goals. Uh, I think one thing that we are learning from the Great Resignation is just how significant this idea of belonging is. So, you know, um, there was a great article in McKinsey last fall where they were talking about the great resignation and um, people were moving away from certain organizations and moving towards other organizations. So attraction and attrition, Mm -hmm. they were calling it. And the, the top three reasons why people were leaving their jobs, quitting their jobs, very often without a job uh, to go to, um, the number one uh, was because they didn't feel valued by their organization. Mm. So 54% of people quitting said that they did so because they didn't feel valued by their organization. Um, 52% said they didn't feel valued by their manager. But this is the one I really wanted to focus on today. 51% of people who quit said that they quit because they didn't feel a sense of belonging at their work. Mm. So they didn't feel a sense of uh, acceptance or that support. Um, So let's just take a minute and and talk a little bit about that. What do you think um, in a concrete way Mm. might help a person feel that they belong in an organizational culture, that they feel that sense of acceptance or support 
or security. I don't know if you, I mean, when you think about the great resignation, maybe you think about why did certain people stay at their jobs? Mm -hmm. You know, who, who was staying? Um, who did feel a sense of belonging? What was it that they made them feel that sense of belonging? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think this must be a different answer in different organizations. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we're pretty small, so it. You know, my first thought when I feel belonging, it's because I feel seen and known and, you know, in the hallway, hi, Sarah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I, when I think about past jobs where I, I did feel like I belonged, it was because I, I felt like I mattered and that I, I had input in all of those things. Um, and so, you know, I think in large organizations, how do you create that? Uh, on a larger scale, how do yeah. you make people feel like you do have input and we do care about <laughs> what you do and, mm-hmm. and what you think and how you feel working here? Um, I think that's really challenging. I think on small and you know on smaller scales when you have a smaller organization, you can be so much more intentional. One thing that I I know is part of the work, but the fact that on Mondays you have these check-in sessions with everybody on the team. To me, that seems like it fosters belonging. It's like, how are you doing? How are things going? What are you What are you focusing on this week? Um, and so, I don't even know that it's very. It's not very interpersonal focus, but I'm sure interpersonal topics come up. But it's a touch point, so they feel seen by you, mm-hmm. and and you feel seen by them mm-hmm. as well. I think the more that we are focused on creating whole person workplaces mm-hmm. where we can be authentic, whether it means you can be out, <laughs> you can yeah. be, um, you know, you can be a parent, you can have messy mental health days, you know, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that creates that sort of belonging that yeah. I can be. Uh, who I really am yeah. at my workplace yeah. and and not just tolerated um, mm. but embraced for our our diversity. Do I sound like a bumper sticker? Celebrate <laughs> diversity, but not just you know, not just tolerating the fact that we're all different, but really mm. embracing it. So so you know, I was thinking about concrete ways that organizations could foster belonging in their organizational culture. And one way that we know we can shape cultures is by using values. Mm. So naming core values, bringing them from below the waterline up Mm -hmm. above the waterline, maybe putting them in a frame or painting them on a wall, um, but definitely talking about them and coaching each other into them. So, um, Values, again, are deeply held beliefs that guide our behavior organizationally in a culture. We use them, we say, as bumpers mm-hmm. <laughs> to say, hey, this is what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. You know, originality, that's what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. If we're not, if it, so Work Wisdom, of course, has a culture of originality. If it's not original, we don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And everybody can talk about that. Yeah. And um and there can be accountability uh, across the organization to make sure that we're staying in that lane. Um, when you think about values, 
and how it might foster a sense of belonging. Um, what are your ideas on how that might be helpful in creating that culture of support and acceptance? Um, and this is this is how we do. Yeah. Well, I I think that we have one of our values. One of our stated values is compassion, mm. and that's probably a like an external thing, like the way that we deal with others outside of the team. Mm -hmm. But I think it works really well. <laughs> I think it it absolutely matters uh, internally, probably even more mm -hmm. when I think about it. And so if that's if that's underlying, if it's explicit because it's on our list, then it it informs the way we think about ourselves and the way we treat one another. And I think compassion sort of directly leads to belonging because then I can be, I can make mistakes and know it's okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're going to learn from them. Um, I can, I can be wrong. Um, I can be messy, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, but the value of compassion reminds me to be compassionate to myself and, and to others too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a great example. I, I even wonder if self-compassion helps foster a sense of belonging yeah. in a culture. And we, we can get into this maybe on another podcast, but that idea that sometimes uh, we don't have a sense of belonging if we don't have self-compassion. Yeah. So that, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> that's another um, episode. Yeah, that's another episode. But um, yeah. so, so values, I think, are really important. I also think that having values um, and shared values that are espoused, named, defined, talked about, we're coaching each other into them, mm -hmm. it starts to create that kind of um, collective solidarity that feels yeah. like, like teamwork. Um, yeah. like belonging. Uh, I also wanted to talk about the competing values framework okay. and creating a sense of belonging. So the competing values framework is this um, beautiful way of thinking about organizational culture. It's uh, basically a circle. And we think about, um, you know, how, what our relationship to change is. Are we highly flexible or are we not so flexible? Yeah. And we can move all along that yeah. continuum. Um, this other axis has to do with are we internally focused, where we're putting our ideas and our attention inside the organization, or are we externally focused, mm -hmm. where we're thinking about what does the outside world need from us? What does the marketplace need from us? Where are there gaps in the marketplace? And so this ends up being a two by two. And we have uh, four mm. different types of culture that show up. You've got highly flexible but internally focused cultures, and those are called family culture. Okay. Family culture is where everything is really collaborative. Leaders are high facilitators. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Things move a little slow there, but yeah. everybody's – there's a lot of warmth. Um, okay. Then, you know, we've got uh, stable – um, sort of not very comfortable with change mm -hmm. organizations that are internally focused, mm -hmm. and those are hierarchies. And we think of healthcare, and we think of 
higher ed sometimes and mm-hmm. precision is everything there okay. and leaders are concerned with process mm-hmm. things move kind of slow over there too okay. um then we have another culture which is market culture which is pretty stable but externally focused what does the marketplace need how are we going to get it to them everything is about speed mm. um, we really want to be first to market uh, to, to satisfy what the what the marketplace wants um, those leaders are hard drivers okay results oriented <laughs> and then we've got this fourth uh type which is called ad hocracy so it's highly flexible it's externally focused everything is about creating everything mm-hmm. is, uh, is about thinking up new ways of being thinking of new even needs in the marketplace and mm-hmm. so those leaders are really focused on creativity so i i wanted to spend a little bit of time thinking about um you know, we've got these four different types of culture, collaborative culture, family mm-hmm. culture, and hierarchy, and then we've got market culture, and then we've got ad hocracy. When you think about which of these four uh, most likely would foster a culture of belonging, what would be your guess? Uh, well, family, I would think. Yeah. If it's focused on collaboration and it's warm that would be my that'd be my guess yeah what does that have you ever seen sort of how that looks even at work wisdom family culture yeah well we do this really interesting thing here which is we put our attention on each quarter one of those um one of those types of cultures. And um, so I think in that way, I have been able to, <laughs> to see it. But also just in general, the way that you and I work together, and the way we work with the team, mm-hmm. um, we sort of throw ideas out there and, or, you know, elicit ideas from from others. And then we talk about them. And we sometimes we get really excited, and and then and then we're like, oh, maybe this isn't going to work out. And mm-hmm. we and that's that's really understood that that we're going to pick this apart and see if this is if if this is right for us. And I think that because you know we're eager for everyone to to throw in and say, yeah, this is what I think. This is what I would like. Um, I feel like that makes it collaborative and and warm Mm -hmm. what what do you think i have a lot of thoughts on this (laughs) i have a lot of thoughts (laughs) Um, well i i remember it was probably about four years ago where we went through this phase where uh, we and maybe and maybe this is wrong you know this is just my observation from working in this space where a lot of our clients especially our women CEO clients um, were struggling because they felt like the right culture, the culture that most created belonging um, was that family culture. Mm. And they felt they had to be a leader that fostered family culture. Mm -hmm. So they were spending lots and lots of time doing consensus decision-making. Things were getting very egalitarian. 
things were really slowing down. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and so, and I'm sure you've got some people in your mind mm -hmm. of who I'm talking about here. And so uh, we went through a period where we were helping a lot of our leaders recognize that that's not the only good culture. You know, yeah. uh, none of yeah. these four cultures are good or bad. Right. Um, and so they ha maybe are an, uh, the kind of leader who needs to lead a market culture mm -hmm. or an adhocracy mm -hmm. or maybe a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking for many years now <laughs> about why did that happen? Mm -hmm. And why is it that there's such a desire for um, collaborative family culture being seen as the ultimate mm -hmm. um, type of culture? So uh, I've worked with a lot of leaders to help them really own mm -hmm. leading in a market culture or in an ad hocracy. Um, so I think some of my work this year is to try and figure out how to communicate that you can lead a market culture. You can be results-oriented, hard-driving, very keen to know what does the external environment need from you, and foster a sense of belonging. All right. Throw we it down. Here. <laughs> here we go. Okay. It's time to write an article. <laughs> Block my Wednesday. Um, but I believe it's true. I think it's true. I think a lot of it has to do with setting expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think it doesn't have to be that it's happy hours and puzzle day and, you know, uh, a lot of those kinds of things. I think it, it can be deep connection um, where you're being authentic, you're modeling authenticity, and you are um, accepting and respecting people for who they are and setting high expectations that this is what we're doing now. Yeah, I mean, it makes me think too of how culture is like our personality. Mm -hmm. And if we're trying to be someone we're not, that's really frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, well, it isn't good or bad. It's just if if you can um, foster belonging, great, but still be true to the essence of who you are. Um, that's going to be the most important thing. Otherwise, it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't gel. I know. It would just feel like you're pushing a giant rock uphill. Yeah, and it, and and it's clear to the staff. Yeah. That um <laughs> that they're not being authentic. All right. Well, that'll be a fun article. Will you co-write it with me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good time. <laughs> um, the last piece that I wanted to bring up on the podcast today is the culture map. So, oh, right. um, you know, we are pretty big groupies of Erin Meyer mm -hmm. here at Work Wisdom. And so, of course, she wrote No Rules Rules with Reed Hastings um, about how Netflix created this culture that was um, really uh, guided by context more mm -hmm. than by rules. Yeah. And so we, of course, loved that article, I mean, that book, and we all read it, and we keep reading it, and we keep on thinking about it for ourselves and what that means for us. But her other book that she wrote before that book was called The Culture Map, mm -hmm. and it was fantastic. Mostly it was focused on societal cultures, but you can definitely pick up her her eight dimensions of culture and drop them onto organizational culture. Definitely. So yeah. I wanted to just mention a couple of them today and get your thoughts on which ones, mm -hmm. you know, if you were shopping here, <laughs> yeah. which of these, you and you were trying to foster a culture of belonging, which ones you would 
spend time putting your attention on. So um, Aaron, you think it's okay that I call her Aaron? She's like our BFF <laughs> in my heart. Erin, um, you know, she talks about communication as one of the dimensions and that you can have high context, mm-hmm. very subtle nuanced communication where you have to read between the lines and you can have low context communication which is explicit and blunt and you say what you're going to say and you say it and then you tell them what you just said and yeah can I tell you how often I share that piece of information with people I know we should send her a t-shirt I I know Uh, yeah it's so anyway go ahead but but it's it's a brilliant one yeah and so neither good nor bad It's just where do we live on Mm -hmm. that dimension? Mm -hmm. Um, So Hmm. think about that one. Would you choose that one? The second one, of course, is evaluating. Do we we have a culture where what's normal is to give indirect um, feedback? Mm-hmm. where we kind of talk around it yeah. and sugarcoat a little and we never come straight at it? Mm-hmm. Or is our culture to give very explicit, direct, negative feedback? Yeah. Neither are good or bad. It's all based on your culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, culture, we talk about it here. It's it's just like the water that you've been swimming in mm-hmm. and you've been swimming in it for so long that that just fear feels normal, right? And and normal eventually starts to be what we think is good, yeah. And it's it's not that it's good; it's just that's what's normal, right? So um, so you know how we give that negative feedback, leading. Mm. That's the third one. Okay. You know, so we can have uh, we can lead in a very hierarchical way where you don't have like these skip meetings. So I wouldn't meet with, you know, Allie's direct report because mm. that would be rocking the boat. Yeah. Um, or we can, the opposite of that is egalitarian mm-hmm. where everything's pretty flat. And yeah, maybe the CEO goes to lunch with, you know, the lowest person on the totem pole and it's no big deal. Yeah. So that's one that we can think about in terms of fostering a culture of belonging, how we make decisions. Mm -hmm. So some cultures, top down, that's what's normal. You know, the boss decides, it's their call, versus consensual decision-making. Everybody gets a vote, it feels very democratic, Mm -hmm. neither are good or bad, it's just uh, which one is our normal, how we we build trust. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is another dimension. Some cultures, they build trust based on the relationship. What's what's the quality of the space between you and me? Yeah. You know? And others, it has to do with um, tasks. Did yeah. you complete all the tasks that you said that you were going to complete? Yeah. That's how I trust you. Yeah. Neither good nor bad, just different. Um, then we've got disagreeing. Some cultures avoid confrontation. We are in Lancaster County, um, and so, <laughs> some uh, are very uh, confrontational when disagreeing, um, neither good nor bad, just cultural. Um, scheduling, you know, sometimes some cultures um, have very flexible uh, interpretations of time. Others are um, pretty linear in yeah. terms of okay. two o'clock means two o'clock. Um, Mm -hmm. so, and then finally we've got persuading. Um, so some cultures, the way that they make a case, they try and persuade others is by sort of starting with the philosophy and then working your way down into the, 
how we're going to do it. Yeah. And others um, start with the, this is how we should do it, and then use more philosophical underpinnings to support what the case is. Yeah. Okay. So anyhow, that's hmm. an awful lot. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but I think they're all extremely important and the framework that none of it is good or bad, but recognizing what kind of culture are we going to have is really what's key. So if you were to try and foster a culture of belonging, which I know you're trying to do here at Work Wisdom, <laughs> yeah. which one of these eight would you put your attention on to move the needle on that belonging? I, I think you know what I'm going to say. I don't actually have oh. any idea. Well, I I think communication. Oh, I, I think okay. Big time. Mm-hmm. Because um, I think that... Yeah, I think it's 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 got to be there for mm-hmm. for for that, um, and and you can talk through like what what is normal uh, for you if it's mm-hmm. low or uh, high context. Oh, somebody's outside waiting for us. Um, but I I think communication is probably the biggest one. Okay. That's the one I would focus on the most, mm-hmm. being clear about that, because everything else sprouts from that, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Interesting. Okay. Well, this could be a whole other <laughs> podcast. Um, well, um, I think I think it's a really good start. I think we should keep talking about this. We maybe need a few more episodes on okay. this topic this okay. year, since it is our big question. Um, Sarah, I'm so grateful to you for being part of this movement of helping others in the workplace to enhance uh, their individual and collective team performance. Thank you listeners for downloading The Behaviorist. We hope you'll subscribe. Uh, please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press and productions, ask questions, make suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. So for the first time ever, we will leave you with a quote <laughs> from Brene Brown. True belonging only happens when we present our authentic imperfect selves to the world our sense of belonging can never be greater than our level of self-acceptance <laughs>